Hey, before we uh, jump right into the sermon, I want to take a few minutes and do something that is really, it's always been on my heart. And I, I, um, I don't know, maybe the older I get, the more I feel like I want to grow old with you folks, okay? I want to grow old with everybody here. In order for us to grow old together, we need to, we, you all need to feel connected. So I want to make sure we take a few minutes this morning and talk about connection. How, how do you get connected here at Grace Chapel? First, speaking to those who may be here for the first time who are new, I want to encourage you to step outside of your comfort zone, okay? I know you come into church, everybody looks like they know each other, but there are a lot of new people here even this morning who've been here for a couple of months, and so you say, well, man, people aren't reaching out and maybe being as friendly as they could be, because people are just nervous around talking when, they, when it comes to talking to people they don't know. It's just humans, so I need you to, to kind of step outside of your comfort zone. And if, if you like the church, you want to get connected, step out, maybe get involved in a Bible study or get involved in a life group, get involved in, in, in a service activity of some kind. Just step outside of your comfort zone and, and get connected to the best of your ability. And we're going to help you uh, to the best of our ability. That's number one. Number two, if you're a member here at Grace Chapel, um, there's a membership rule. And it means it's a five-minute rule. Two and a half minutes before the service starts and two and a half minutes after the service is over, I want you to invest in the lives of people you don't know. It's the five-minute rule, two and a half and two and a half. So you don't run to your best friend for the first two and a half minutes. When this service ends, you, for two and a half minutes, find people you don't know and just say, hey, how long have you been coming to Grace Chapel? That way you're not asking an elder if they're new. You know what I mean? Um, and some people go, I don't know how long people will come, so I feel uncomfortable. Just use that phrase. How long have you been coming to Grace Chapel? Because I ask it all the time. I'm not sure if people have been sometimes here for a month or they mean, sometimes people come and they come back and, so, and they'll, they'll, they'll let me know. They'll say a year or two months or this morning or 10 years kind of thing. So um, just ask that question. How long have you been coming to Grace Chapel? And then connect with each other. Start talking. You'll be best friends by the end of the conversation. And you'll thank me for bringing this up. All right, that's number two. Number three, if you haven't found a place to serve yet, Get involved, man. Jump in. Find a place. We handed out some booklets last week, Getting Involved booklets. It's a small book with everything that we have going on at Grace Chapel. We have it on our website, and we have it at the Welcome Center. If you weren't here last week, it's just a small book that lists every way that you can serve within the church, so make sure you do that. And I asked Pastor Kevin to come up here. He's going to come up and just share for a couple of minutes about how we can get you men who are notoriously um, not getting getting involved type of people, how you can get more involved. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, us guys, uh, we guys are just we bad. Guys. We guys. We guys are just bad at getting connected. I don't know if it's a fear thing or a macho thing or whatever, but on the outside, we have all kinds of excuses. I'm too busy, my work, my blah, blah, blah. On the inside, we are craving connectedness. And so I want to talk about three things that, uh, or three opportunities that uh, you can use. So women, you can just zone out, go to your meeting room in the sky or whatever, and don't pay attention here for the next few minutes. Guys, uh, speaking directly at you. Uh, two of these things are, are partnerships that we have built with uh, ministries outside of Grace Chapel that uh, we're going to be really connecting with. And uh, they have similar names, so it'll be a little confusing. The first one comes from... Uh, some of you have read that book, Wild at Heart, by John Eldridge. His ministry called Ransom Heart. And they do, he and his staff do, uh, they call them boot camps all across the country. Well, they also make it available to do, uh, for people to bring that here. So Chris Kube and his uh, 
friends have brought that here and will continue to bring it here to Cincinnati. Uh, it's called Band of Brothers, and Jeff talked about that last week, and we have a, a handful of guys going to that uh, in, in uh, April. April. But that will continue. We'll, we'll do more and more and more of those throughout the year. So pay attention. Keep your ears open for Band of Brothers activities. Really, really cool uh, weekend-long retreat thing. The next one is a partnership that we have with a ministry called Heart of the Outdoors, and it has a similar name, but it's their discipleship ministry called Blood Brothers. And this is a six-month journey that 12 men take together. We have nine groups this year of 12 guys. You meet once a month for six months for between May and October. And uh, just a really powerful time of moving through life together with these 12 guys. It involves some adventure kind of stuff. And so Blood Brothers, I have information about that. I'm actually the director of Blood Brothers. And so I can tell you all about that. I have information out there at the table out there. The, second, the third one is an in-house thing. And I'm going to call it octagons. And uh, guys are notoriously bad also about just cuddling up to things like Bible studies and accountability groups because they just sound scary. I don't, I don't know enough to be in a Bible study or I don't want to bare my soul and be in an accountability group. But we crave those things kind of on the inside and on the outside we're scared to death. And so we're going to create these things called octagons. Six to eight guys just moving through life together, sometimes studying a book, sometimes doing a little bit of a Bible study, sometimes just going to a Reds game or a Bengals game or something together. But going through life together as a pod, an octagon of six to eight guys. I have a sign-up sheet right out there at the table. Um, just put your name on that, the octagon sheet. Just You're not committing yourself to anything. You're just saying, hey, I'm interested in hearing more about octagons. And so we want our guys group to really, really, really come connected with one another. And we're going to keep trying and trying to do some creative things. Before I go, um, some of you noticed the big pillowy fun things back there. Archery tag is here. And so I brought some little show and tell stuff back there after service. If you want to put on a mask and shoot one of your friends, um, <laughs> join me back there. We'll play a little bit after service, okay? Awesome. Yeah, leave it on for Kim. There you go. Hey, now, now, obviously, life groups are one of the best ways to connect. And if you're not in a life group, look at what you're missing. Now, that proves two things. Number one, life groups are fun. And number two, most white people cannot dance. Um, <laughs> People who are living life just like you are, same size, you know, kind of stages of life, same experiences, and then some who are further down the road and can help you along as you're working through things they've already worked through. So if you're not in a group, please get in one. And how do you do that? You can do that a couple of ways. You can look for information at the information booth out there. We have little flyers that tell what groups are currently going on. You can start a life group. You can email the church office or call the church office and say, I'd like to get in a life group. Here's what my family looks like. What have you got? They can help you find something that kind of aligns with what would be good for your family. And um, you can also email me. Inside of your bulletin, there's a little gray box that says tithe and offering. My email's in that box. If you want to send me an email, I can plug you in to wherever, um, wherever we can find a place that will help your family to get connected. So another way that you can get connected at Grace Chapel, if you haven't done this already, is you can log into the church website. So if you go to grace-chapel.com, where you can find all kinds of things about 
everything that's going on around here. You also see at the top a login to our online community. So when you go to there, if you don't have a password yet, if you lost your password, if you signed up once, can't remember what it was, whatever that may be, you can go there, log in. If you can't remember that stuff, go on the right-hand side, it says um, either sign up or it'll say, you know, forgot my password. So go ahead and go through that process and get yourself a password. Once you log in, you'll be able to see your family. And if you find any mistakes in the data or, you know, you're missing a child or some crazy thing like that, just let us know in the office. We'll be happy to get it fixed right away. You can also do a lot of changes in there on your own, like update your address information, update your phone number, and then you can choose what groups you'd like to be a part of. Mm -hmm. So we have a group called Archery, and it's just information about everything going on Archery at the church. We've got groups that, you know, about life groups. We've got things going on about the volunteer opportunities within the church. So scan through the groups, see if there's anything you'd like to get involved in, and you can just hit join. That'll put you on the mailing list, so to speak, for all the latest information on that area of ministry. So please take a minute if you haven't done so already and log in. You can also see that where you can set up your giving online. If you'd rather do that, then do the offering boxes. It helps us to be more faithful and over the summer, especially when we travel or away. You can set that up online. We can help you with that in the office as well. But please, please, please find yourself a life group and get your family connected. Very good. Thank you very much, Kim and, uh, and Kevin. Um, yeah, you said, boy, we, take a, we took a lot of time there talking about that. Yeah, we did. And that shows how important it is. I mean, like I said in the beginning, I, I want to grow old with you folks. And it bugs me when people come in the front door and go out the back door. I want, I want that to completely stop as best we can, you know, if we can help it. And the only way that can happen is if we get connected to one another. And the only way that we can fulfill our purpose, God created us for a unique purpose individually, but as a church. And the only way the church can fulfill all that God has for it, Grace Chapel, is if we come together and use the gifts that God has given us. And the only way that's going to happen is if you feel connected. If you feel like this is your family. If you understand that we can't survive without you, we need you, we need your gifts, your talents, your abilities, all of those things to to fulfill all that God has for us. So this is extremely important to me, and this is not the last time we're going to talk about it. I'm going to talk so much about connecting, you guys are going to be like, oh my gosh, if he says that one more time. And when you get sick of me, hear, hear me talking about it, then I'll know I've done my job. Because I want you to feel like family. I want you to connect here. Okay, we've been going through a series called What on Earth Am I Here For? I'm here to connect. No, what on earth am I here for? And last week in the first part of this sermon, we talked about our fourth calling, God's fourth calling on our lives. And that is we are called to bless. We were called by God to bless other people. We are called by God to invest in other people's lives. God says you bless other people when you serve them, when you get involved in their lives, when you give yourself away. There's also a fourth purpose for your life, and that is that you, God shaped you to serve him. God called you to bless those around you, and God shaped you to serve him. I, I love that whole idea of shape. God has uniquely shaped you with five elements. Your shape, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, uh, you know, it, your, your, your personality, your experiences all make up your shape. And we have a shape class going on right after second service at 1230. We have lunch coming in, so you don't have to worry about lunch. If you want to learn your shape, for ministry. People ask all the time, what's my purpose? What's the meaning of life? How am I supposed to know what God wants me to do? You need to know your shape for ministry. 
And we are going to help you understand your shape for ministry in that class after second service. So you don't have to have signed up already. You can just come join us. We have the information. We'll give it to you. And hopefully it will truly impact your life. I I love this class because it helps people to know where they fit into the body of Christ. Some of you say, I don't know my spiritual gifts. I don't know what they are. This will help you understand how God has designed you to impact the lives of others. In Colossians 3.17, it tells us, whether you, uh, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We said that there were, last week we talked about this, I had to kind of cut it off, uh, we're starting this week on this part two, but we said last week there are four benefits, there are, there are specific benefits, four specific benefits to, to being unselfish and, and serving others in an unselfish way. And the first thing we said that it brings joy into your life. The first benefit is that it brings incredible joy into your life. And we said that there were, there were two secrets to joy. And the first secret to joy was getting outside of yourself, moving outside of yourself, you know, not just thinking about me and thinking about how I can affect me, but getting the focus off of yourself. When you focus too much on yourself, your life is going to be miserable. You say, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. You know what? It's really funny because reality and truth are God's. And this is the truth. If you focus on yourself, the world says, no, you have to love yourself first. And you have to focus on yourself first. And you have to do it for yourself first. If you don't do that first, you can't do it for anybody else. Well, that's partly true. You should love yourself and you should, you should like yourself. But you know how you begin to really like and love yourself? You want to build your self-esteem. You get outside of yourself and invest in the lives of other people. When you get outside of yourself and you bless others, you serve others, you begin to realize, wait a second, I'm really good at working with children. I'm really good. The kids really respond to me. Well, I'm really good at working with the elderly. I'm really good at working with teenagers. I'm really good at at doing this administrative stuff. Or I'm really good at speaking. Or I'm really good at whatever it is. You realize how good you are when you get outside of yourself and actually serve others. It builds your self-esteem because you realize, hey, wait, God designed me specifically to do these things. And I'm good at them. I like myself. I love myself. I feel good about myself. But if you spend all of your time thinking about how much you should love yourself and like yourself, I'm telling you, it doesn't work. You'll be miserable for the rest of your life until you get outside of yourself. The world says one thing and what the world says, flip it upside down. And that's usually the truth. That's usually the truth. God says, serve others, and that will bring meaning and purpose to your life. It is a fact, a scientific fact. They are always catching up. But it's a scientific fact that the the, the people who help the most are the people who are the happiest. You look around your world. You do look at any studies that go on. People who help others, the people who help the most are the happiest people. Why do you think that's true? Because it gets outside of themselves They invest in the lives of other people. And I'm going to tell you something. Helping other people makes you feel great. That's the second secret. That's the second, that's the second secret. Joy comes when I use my gifts to help other people. Do you want to have a joy-filled life? Do you want to have a life filled with peace and contentment and all the things that we desire? It comes from using my gifts and my talents and my abilities to help other people. It makes you feel great. 
I mean, you, you're not going to meet many people who say, yeah, I, I, I serve at doing this or I, I serve at Habitat for Humanity, even out in the world. And they serve. They love it. They go and do it because it makes them feel great. They get outside of themselves. They give themselves away. First Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Let me read that again. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received from God to serve others as faithful stewards. It doesn't belong to you. God has given it to you. He has given, he has lent you these things to use them, stewards of God's grace in its various forms. There's all kinds of ways that you can use the gifts that God has given you. There's all kinds of gifts and there's all kinds of talents and there's all kinds of abilities, all kinds of resources that God has given you and you can use them. You say, well, I can't really speak that well and I'm not a Bible teacher and I can, I can, I can. It doesn't matter what you can, you can't do. What matters is what you can do. We were in Nigeria about six years ago and we, when we landed, we got off the plane, we, we went to our spot and we went into the village and, and something happened that was truly amazing. You have to understand the culture in Nigeria. If you're a young widow with children and your husband dies, the family of the husband can come and take your children away. They don't belong to you. They belong to the family of the husband. So they can come and just take your children from you. If you're an older widow, you're in bad shape if your family is not really that kind. And we we ran into a situation where there was an older widow whose husband had just died. They had a little mud shack. It wasn't it wasn't huge, but it was probably, you know, from here to the wall and maybe 10, 15 feet out. But it was, uh, you know, dirt floor, but it was had a door on it and windows. It was comfortable for her. When her husband died, her family decided, you know what, we need that house for maybe we can rent it or for someone else. So they kick, this is the, her children, they kick their mom out and they put her in a hut that is probably another foot, if you take my hands and go another foot, all the way around. It's a round hut where they, that they use for cooking. And they stuck their, stuck their mother in the hut. And that's where she stayed. No doors or no windows. There was a door cut out, but there was no door on there. You couldn't close the door and there was no way to close the windows. Well, I'll tell you in Nigeria, because I actually saw one, they have they have poisonous snakes there. And one of the poisonous snakes was so big, it was a cobra that you could hold it up like this. It was missing its head. So I held it and because uh, they were going to eat it. And, you know, that's not many, not too many cobras because they'll eat them if they find them. But the cobra was so big, I held it like this and its tail drug against the ground. So there's cobras and there's different poisonous snakes and there's bugs, different, and, you know, big old bugs. And so here's this here's this widow living in a, a little cook room. With no door, she said, I was miserable. I just wanted to die. Pray that God would just take my life or God would do some kind of miracle, that something would happen, that God would intervene. And then we come along and the people in our group, I couldn't do this. I couldn't come up with how to put a door in a mud hut. The guys in our group and some of the women in our group figured out how we could put a door on that hut, how we could put a window on the hut. They used their gifts, their talents, their abilities to to close that off. I'm going to tell you, it changed her whole life. She said, before you came, I wanted to die. I was praying that God would do something and you're the answer to my prayer. You are all the answer to my prayer. Have you ever been the answer to someone's prayer? where they say we were in Mexico one time, there was a group and they had run out of food, an orphanage, and we showed up the day they ran out of food and they said, you are just the answer to our prayer. We had no idea you were coming, but we were out of food and we brought all kinds of food up there just to give them. We become the answer to someone's prayer. When, when you become the answer to someone else's prayer, it changes your life. 
Not just the person that you're helping, but it transforms your life. That widow's life was changed. She had a door. She had a window. She felt safe at night. The bugs and the snakes couldn't just crawl in. She felt like she could get some sleep on the floor. We got her a little mat that she was able to lay on. And just so you know, I went to the the children. I I wasn't really caring at this point. It was culturally offensive. I pulled them aside and I said, because I'm a pastor and, you know, I'm allowed to do these kinds of things. And I said, let me let me talk to you for a second. I said, you know, I know there may be cultural differences between here and the United States. But one thing is pretty much uh, culturally I'm sure of that nobody's mom likes to be kicked out of their house and put in a little place like that with no doors or windows. I don't care if it's my mom, your mom, a mom in Germany. No mom likes to be moved out of the home that she lived in all her life and stuck in a place like that. You guys are wrong. You guys need to change your attitudes. I went through the whole, I just explained to them where I thought they were wrong. And they were. But we came along. We invested in her life and the people in our group. I had no idea what to do. But the rest of the folks, a lot of them did. And they changed that person's life. There are so many ways that God can use us. So many ways that God can, can show us how if we invest and give our lives away, we can change the lives of other people. And we finished out part one of the sermon by saying that we have, bl- we have been blessed by God to be a blessing. We have, been, we have been given blessings from God to bless other people. That is why God blesses us, not to receive it all. I mean, you know, if, if, you're given, if you're given a lot of blessings in your life financially or other, in any other way, and you just use it for yourself, that is going to be your judgment in heaven. Just to understand that. God blesses us so that we can bless others. When God gives me a blessing, his desire is that I would then pour out that blessing on other people. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever gift, talent, whatever ability I have, God wants me to use that to bless other people. Whether I'm, a, I'm in business, I'm a marketplace minister, we said last week, or a campus minister on your high school or junior high campus, whether you, whether you work at home, it doesn't matter. Stay at home and take care of your children. You're a family minister. We are to use the gifts the talents and the abilities that God has given us to bless other people. You are blessed to be a blessing to other folks. Serving others unselfishly brings joy to your life, but it does more than that. And that's our second benefit. Our second benefit is that it improves your relationships. It improves your relationships. And boy, do we need this one. We really, really need this one. Your relationships will grow stronger the more you learn how to serve. God has designed, we need to practice this because God has designed us this way and, and, and but sometimes because of our sinful nature, we pull back from it. And so we need to practice. We need to practice this one. So you have to you ask yourself, why, why is it that, that I improve my relationships if I am completely unselfish, if I live an unselfish life and caring for others? How does it improve my relationships? Well, it's because the number one cause of relational problems in your life is self-centeredness. We are self-centered. I, Jeff Greer, am self-centered in so many ways. I am selfish in so many ways. It comes from our sinful nature. How many people have taught their kids to say mine? Anybody? Did any, of you, did any of you say, well, now say mine, say mine. You didn't teach them that, right? But what happens, boy? There's three toys on the ground. Someone grabs them. Mine, mine. 
And then if someone tries to get it, whack, you know what I mean? Ah, you know, mine. You don't have to teach your kids to be selfish. Why is that? Does anyone here ever tell your children, now, don't, don't share. <laughs> Why would you share? That's your toy. You stand up for yourself. You keep your toy. You don't share with anybody. No, you don't have to teach them that. They figured that out already. People tell me all the time, well, he's only one and a half. I don't think he understands. He understands perfectly. He's got a little sinful nature. He knows, what's, he knows mine. No. They figure that word out too, don't they? No, right away. No and mine. Yeah, because they, you have to teach them to be unselfish, to be considerate of others, to care for the people, to share. You have to share. It's important that you share. Make sure you share, 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 share. You have to tell them those kinds of things because we're naturally selfish and we get older. We break free from that to a point, but we still have that self-centeredness. And that is the root cause of the problems that we have in our relationships. See, Your task here on earth, one of the reasons that you were put on this earth was basically to learn to be unselfish. Why? Because God is love and God wants you to be like him. He wants you to be like him. And you say, well, how how can I learn to be unselfish? That's simple. Copy Jesus. Jesus was the most unselfish person who ever walked the earth. He was the most considerate person who ever walked the earth. He was the most other person centered human who ever walked the earth. If you want to learn how to be unselfish, how to be considerate of others, you just copy Jesus. You just find out. You read the New Testament. Whatever Jesus did, you just follow him. Because he was the most unselfish person who ever put his feet on this earth. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He, he gave his life. He came to this earth fully God and fully man. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. He could have had the world bowing down to him and serving him. But what did he come? He came as a servant and he said, I am going to serve you. He washed people's feet. He showed compassion. He showed mercy. And ultimately, he sacrificed his own life for us. You want to you learn to be unselfish? You follow Jesus Christ. When you take on the attitude of Jesus Christ, you begin to live your life for the benefit of others. And that's what it's all about. And it's going to take us some time, but we're going to grow old together and we'll do this. Okay? But when you begin to live your life with the attitude of Jesus Christ, you begin to live your life for the benefit of other people. You invest in the lives of other people. You think of the other person first. And you think, well, that won't work out too well for me. Oh, yes, it will. When you think of others first and you invest in the lives of others first in your family, it may take some time, but other people, most people reciprocate. They'll start realizing that he always gets the drink. He always takes out this. He always does this. And most people, as they mature, kids sometimes, they don't get it as much. But as adults, we do. When you sacrifice for other people... Over a period of time, they reciprocate. They give back. So we need to have that attitude, that attitude of Christ. Now, let me give you an example. When you're in a relationship with someone, instead of, being, instead of trying to be really interesting, try to be interested. Instead of being interesting, try to be interested. And I'm telling you right now, if you show interest in another person, they will think you're the greatest person in the world. 
If you take the time to listen to other people and show interest in what they're saying and what they're doing, they'll think you're the greatest person in the world. Why? Because most people are only interested in what in themselves and what they have to say. Most people love to listen to themselves talk. And, you know, we don't even notice it sometimes. But if you would take a step back and show interest in what the other person is saying, they will think you're the greatest conversationalist who ever walked the planet. They will. I remember when I was a youth pastor, there was a girl, high school girl, and she was and she was she had all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of problems. She said, can we sit down and talk? I really need to talk to you. I, I really need your advice. I really need your wisdom. I really need your input. And it would really help me out a lot. So we sat down and she, you know, first off, she starts crying right away. Can I ask you a question? When you when lady, women, when you cry, why do you do this? What does that do? Is it, is it like you're trying to dry your tears? I see people like watch shows and you're like, they start to cry. And they go. And they roll your eyes back, too. Okay? I don't know what that's for, but if it helps you, it's great. So she did that, and I thought, that's fine. And, and so she started talking, all right? And she was talking, and she was talking. And I, the whole conversation, I said, mm-hmm, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. She, could t- she never took a breath. An hour later, she was all finished. She, she was all finished. She was all, and she said, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I'm so glad I talked to you. You're the wisest person I've ever talked to in my life. You have such a good wisdom. And you, you know, I love talking to you because you give me such, I didn't say a word. I'm the wisest person. Doesn't the Bible say that even a fool seems wise if he keeps his mouth shut? So can you imagine if a fool seems wise if he keeps his mouth shut, how wise you'll be, you know, if you just listen to what these folks are saying. Be interested. Don't just try to be interesting. And people will think you are it. You're the, you're the most wonderful, wisest, you know, best, whatever it is, person in the world because you're showing interest in them. You're meeting their needs. You're meeting their needs. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. The third benefit of serving others unselfishly is that it will make your life more meaningful. Your life will become more meaningful. That's what we want. We want that meaning in life. And that is really a a surprise to a lot of people. See, the only way you find meaning in your life is to give your life away, like I was saying. The only way to truly find meaning in your life and again, this is one of those things where you have, to, you have to say, well, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't sound even right. But I'm telling you, it's true. The only way to find meaning in life is to give your life away. God has wired the universe on this principle. Meaning in life, true meaning in life does not come from fame. It does not come from power. It does not come from money. So many people will say, if I just had more money, I would have more meaning in my life. That is not true. I know lots of millionaires, lots of them. They're my friends. I could get them to come up on the stage and each one of them would say the exact same thing. Money, money helps you out in, in some ways. Money has a lot of good uses. For example, it makes your life a little bit easier. Right. It it saves you time. Maybe it opens some doors. Maybe it creates opportunities. But but meaning does not come from having more money. Meaning does not come. You don't get meaning from being famous. Look at all the famous people. Look at their lives at the end of their lives. People who have reached to the top of the pinnacle or whatever. they, They still say the same thing. What is the meaning and purpose of life? Because none of those things brings meaning 
or purpose or even significance to your life. Meaning comes from ministry. You get meaning in life from ministry. You get meaning in life from giving your life away. You get meaning in life from blessing other people, from being a blessing to other people. That is what brings meaning to your life. Jesus said it like this in Mark chapter 8, verse 35. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. True life comes from giving your life away. From giving your life away. If, you, if you're younger here this morning, if you can grasp this concept, if you, can, if you can grasp it now, because the people around you who are older, we're fighting. We fight to try to own these concepts. We fight to try to apply them to our lives because we've lived so many years with the world telling us the opposite. If you can grasp the concept that you can find true meaning, purpose, and significance in your life from giving your life away, from serving others, from blessing others, you'll be so far. You, when, as an adult, you will be so much, I don't use the word happy, you'll have more joy, you'll, ha- you'll, have more, you'll feel more purpose, you'll feel, you'll feel significance, you'll feel contentment, you'll have so many things that so many adults lack because these are concepts that maybe some people are hearing for the first time and saying, you know, I, I, I don't even really understand that, let alone try to apply it to my life. But gosh, if he says it's true, I'm going to try it. Do it now. Start living that way now. Start investing in your friends now. Start giving away your life now. The fourth benefit of serving people unselfishly is that you will leave a legacy it will leave, you will leave a legacy. You will make a mark. You will leave your mark on this earth. And you'll actually leave two legacies. You'll have the legacy that you leave here on earth, and then you'll have a legacy that you leave in eternity. There's two different legacies. See, the one on earth is, is not as significant because it's not going to last forever. It's not going to even last that long in terms of history. Because after three generations, you're pretty much forgotten. Now, not, that's not to discourage you, but after three generations, maybe your picture's hanging somewhere or whatever else, or you find it at one of the antique shops or something. Look at those pictures, that old pictures. You're pretty much forgotten. But what you do for, for God, how you invest your lives in, in other people, what you do in eternity never fades. It never goes away. The reward you receive in eternity is forever. It's forever. What do you want to be remembered for? And even if you're younger, you know what? You're, you're young. You're going to live years and years and years. But at the end of your life, now is where you start to build that reputation, where you start to build that legacy, where you start to leave your mark. What do you want to be remembered for? You want to be remembered by people as someone who was, you know, people say, man, that guy was really selfless. He, he, he was really caring. He, he cared about other people. She cared about other people. They were selfish, selfless. Or do you want people to say, you know, I'm tell you what, that, 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 person, was, uh, that person was pretty selfish. Um, that person was, uh, they thought of themselves mostly, and they're not going to say that at your funeral because no one says that, that kind of stuff at your funeral. But when they kind of leave and they think about you, well, how, what, kind of, what kind of life do you want to leave behind? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? A person who is selfless 
or a person who is selfish? How do you want people to remember? They may never say it out loud, but how do you want to be remembered as as self-centered or as a blessing? The truth is everybody, every single person in this room wants their life to count. I want my life to count. I know you want your life to count. Deep down, we all want our lives to have significance. We, want, we all want our lives to have meaning. We, want, we all want our lives to have purpose. We all want that. Every single person here wants to do something great with their lives. You want, you want, you want to leave your mark in some way. Everybody wants it at, at some level. And there's nothing wrong with thinking that way. There's nothing wrong with feeling that way about that. I want to leave. I want my life to be great. I want to do something great with my life. We should all be thinking that. Everyone in this room should be saying, I want to do something great with my life because doing something great with your life might be just be investing in one child in that Sunday school class who, who you invest in and, they, and it changes their life forever. They didn't have the foundation. They didn't have the consistency, but you brought the consistency. And you say, I just want to do something great with my life. It doesn't matter if, if you're never on CNN or Fox or write a big book. or on t- It doesn't matter. Greatness doesn't come from those things. Do you, want, do you want your life to have significance? Do you want, you, want your, you want to live a great life? And I'm going to ask that again. Everybody say yes. Just humor me. Do you want to live a great life? Yes. Yes, yes we do. We do. And so the question is, how do I live a great life? How do I become great? Jesus tells us how we become great. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 26, not so with you, talking about those in the world. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Here we go again. Whoever wants to be great must be your servant. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself a servant, taking on the very nature of a servant. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, taking on the nature of a servant. That's what God calls us to do. If you want to have a great life, then Jesus tells us how. He says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. The more you serve, the greater you will become. If you want to be great, you learn, you need to learn how to be the servant of all. If you want to be great... You need to learn to be the servant of all. I know the world tells you the complete opposite. They are wrong and I am right because that's what the word of God says. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. You have three choices. You can either spend your life, you can waste your life, or you can invest your life. You can spend it, you can, you can waste it, or you can invest it. The best use of your life is to invest your life in that which will outlast you. There are only two things in this world that are going to last. Only two. The Word of God and people. Two things that are going to last, that are never going to fade. Two things. The Word of God and people. If you invest your life, if you build your life on the word of God and on people, then that will last for eternity. Nothing else is going to last. The word of God and people. If you truly want to be great, if you truly want to have meaning and significance in your life, then you'll invest your life in the word and on people. This morning, as we close, let's commit ourselves to living a life that will last. 
Let's commit ourselves as a church to start living a life that is going to last, not just for one generation or two generations or three generations, that is going to last for eternity. Eternity. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus our lives on Jesus and how we can serve him by serving other people. This is what Jesus says, and you've heard this before, many of you, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 40. This is what it says. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him. We will answer him when we get to heaven. The righteous will answer him. Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you, a stranger, and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and come to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whoever, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You get to heaven. Jesus is going to say to you, I don't know what, I don't know. I'll just, Jesus is going to say to you, thank you so, so much. When I was like eight, nine years old, I was having the most miserable time. I was abused. I, I, you know, I couldn't even think straight. I was angry. And you took the time in that Sunday school class every week to encourage me, to hug me, to love me. And you're going to say, Lord, you're going to say, Lord, when did I see you? When, when, when you I don't remember hugging you and, and, and encouraging you. And I, when, did, when, did I, when, when, when did that happen? I didn't see you abused. And Jesus is going to say, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Every, listen, this is a fact. This isn't, my, this isn't something out there that you can't take hold of. Listen to me. Every time you invest in the life of someone at school, at work, at home, someone down the street, it doesn't matter. Every time you show kindness, love, you bless those that are around you, you are doing it directly to Jesus Christ. That is not, that is not some abstract concept. It is a biblical fact. I do something for you. I'm directly doing it for Jesus Christ. And when I get to heaven, he'll say, thank you for showing me compassion here. Thank you for the money you gave me there. Thank you for this and thank you for that. And he's going to say thank you. You say, Lord, when? Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. It also says whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. There's another side to that story, and that's not a good one. I'm going to make this really, really practical. We talked about... Uh, helping kids who are aging out of foster care a couple of months ago. We're still on track. We, we're setting up another meeting with, uh, with, uh, with uh, different groups. The commissioner's office, the county commissioner's office, we're setting up a meeting with them. Um, we got snowed out last time. We're setting up different meetings with some groups around here that are, that are working with foster care. We're getting training. If you signed up to be a part of that, it is, no, it is not anywhere near dead. We've just been trying to take our time and set things up. But there'll be a meeting that draws everyone together in the next couple of weeks. But here's the deal. You know, I was thinking, you know, you know me, I'm ready, fire, aim kind of guy. You know what I mean? And God has taught me a lot at 50 years old. I, I'm, I'm ready, aim, fire now. I'm still passionate. I'm still aggressive, but I, I aim before I fire. And I said, God, we're going to take this slow. We're going to take our time. And basically God said, nope, time's up. I have someone for you. 
And I'm, you know, here, here's me. Oh, Lord, we'll take our time. And God said, you know, now's the time. We have a young man who is now a part of our church family who is aged out of foster care. He's awesome. He's incredible. He's worth investing time and energy into. He is right now working. We have, he's, he's working and in, 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 actually probably has two jobs at this point. And, uh, and he wants to go to college. And this summer, hopefully, we'll get him into a camp program where he, can, he wants to go into youth ministry. So the camp program will be awesome for him if he gets involved there. And then he'll go on from there to, to college. Here's, here's the slight dilemma that we have. Uh, God says, I want you to do that right now. Here's the man that I put in your, in your church. Here's what I want you to, I want you to invest in. We're not, this is not a handout. This is a hand up. This is an investment in someone's life. We don't give handouts at Grace Chapel. We give hands up. So we're investing. But here's what we need. We need some investment right now for the spring. Spring, we don't have a lot of investment for. Summer, we've pretty much, I think, taken care of. And then the fall, he goes to college. But right now, we need some resources. Simple as that. We need some financial resources. So there's the offering boxes here and here. If you'd like to give specifically to that, put it on the envelope that you'd like to give to this young man, okay, and invest in him. And we'll use that for housing and for other things that he needs right now to prepare him for his future. You know, it's so funny. Sometimes we want to take our time and God says, time is up. Now's the time to act. And we're going to act because this young man is a part of Grace Chapel. We are a global community, locally and globally, and we're going to invest in people's lives. Let's bow our heads together. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord God, that you've called us to love. Lord, that you called us to love others. And in doing so, we show our love for you. Father, we pray with all of our hearts that we, each one of us, and as a body, but each one of us, would leave this place today with love in our hearts, looking for opportunities to show that love, to show that blessing, to show that compassion, to show that to others around us. Father, we want to invest our time, we want to invest our resources, we want to invest our hearts into other people so that our own lives would be transformed, that we would be changed from the inside out. Lord, give us a passion to take care of those in need. Give us a passion for you. Lord, light that fire in our hearts, that fire of love in our hearts, that we would truly become a church. Lord, you're, you, 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 you know that we love you. We know that you know that we love others. But Lord, even a brighter fire, a stronger fire in our hearts, that we would love others with such intensity that they be drawn into a relationship with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.